0: Welcome to the Sourcing Hero Podcast, produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers Sourcing Heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero Podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is a returning friend. Chris Lance is a senior director at UNA, a group purchasing organization that just happens to be the official home of the Sourcing Hero. Chris has experience in multiple industries, but a particular focus in healthcare and technology. He's going to be a regular guest, rejoining me every month to talk about recent news stories, and to give us an opportunity to dig into how that news will impact the way procurement, sourcing, and supply chain professionals do business. So, hi, Chris. Thank you so much for being back.
1: Hey, Kelly. Thanks for having me again. I guess I did did well enough last time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you passed your screening. We, right. We've had you back. Yep. Um, and so... People should definitely check out that episode if they would like to hear your answers to some of the more traditional sourcing hero questions. But because I'm going to have you back regularly, we're going to switch things up a little bit. So instead of having you talk more about your background, here's what I'd like to know. Sort of snooping around, checking out the Una team on social media. And I saw a post that showed all of you having an outing at a local arcade. Hmm. Now I have it on good authority, Chris. It's up to you if you want to confirm or deny that Anthony Clervy leveled up on the Mario Kart card game. Can I get an official statement on that before we uh. dig further?
1: Well, you know, I'll probably have to talk to him about that first because I, I'll say, you know, honesty is kind of an unwritten core value at Una, and I would, I would question the accuracy of the true champion uh, of Mario Kart. So we'll have to say uh, maybe I'll give a better update uh, next time I join. But, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely the champ here when we're talking Mario Kart. This may Mario be the Kart.
0: first ever sourcing heroes scandal. I love yeah, it. Awesome. <laughs> Now, on the on a more serious note, so many companies are still working virtually distributed. Some people are from home, and so truthfully, it was really nice to see you guys out together having a good time. Why do you think it's so important whenever possible for teams to come together, to step away from the work and instead have a little bit of an opportunity to play now and then?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think a lot of times in business, we tend to forget, you know, the, the human element, um, you know, without yeah. people, it doesn't matter what your business is, even AI, right. There's, there's some sort of that, that human element. So we, we definitely take the work hard, play hard to, to another level, but, you know, as you, as you pointed out, like in this climate with people being a hundred percent remote or maybe a hybrid model, you can really, you can really lose those meaningful connections, you know, through a screen. And so to me, S- similar to shared trauma, you know, shared fun really helps with cohesiveness. It, it almost brings another level of, of connection. I, I would liken it to some of those professional teams who just so happen to always know where someone else will be on the court or the field at all times. And that doesn't come from necessarily just practice. It comes from truly knowing your team and and also allowing them to, to really know you. Um, so there's noth- nothing beats that in-person connection.
0: No, I completely agree. And I mean, certainly that sense of cohesion helps you deal with the normal day-to-day challenges, mm-hmm. uh, but it also helps, you know, bring in new team members and help mm-hmm. everybody stay aligned. So I'm I'm glad that you shared the pictures, of course, because they're really yeah. fun to see. But yeah. but I do think it's important for all of us to remember that. We've had sort of the the work bleed into the play and the play kind of go away (laughs) over the last couple of years. So it it was nice to see you guys out and about as a team.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Now, when I checked in with you to figure out, okay, what is going to be the focus of this month's conversation, I thought you picked an excellent topic. And we're actually going to take sort of two different looks at this. But the broad overarching topic is looking at energy costs and energy availability and how those two things are going to impact business. Mm -hmm. So the first piece that we're going to take a look at, and this already has me stressing out a little bit, is the potential for rolling blackouts this summer. Mm -hmm. So why don't you kind of share a little bit about what you've seen and heard and read, and, and then we'll kind of talk about how people might want to be preparing for if this comes to pass.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for me, I think, you know, the impact that it could have, whether it's, whether it's food, medical, manufacturing, especially technology, uh, businesses or organizations, I don't think there's been a point in time that we haven't been more reliant, you know, on energy. Um, But I think most industries that said, most industries kind of already know to have or already have redundancies in place to prevent meaningful impacts to, I would say, like, true production. Um, Mm. But that said, you know, I I will be curious to see what the impact is in, in, like, the details, right? And so by details, I mean, for some of those decisions that have been made for people to be working remote or even a hybrid model, if there's still a large portion of workers that are remote, you know, how are they going to be impacted by these rolling blackouts? I think I read somewhere that NERC, NERC, I think that's like North America Electric Reliability Corporation. I think I'm getting that right. But they had stated that at some point this summer, uh, the na- two thirds of the nation should expect some sort of a blackout. So when I go back to those details, does everyone have a hotspot? Do, do teams know how to communicate remotely? Um, if someone's at home and there's and there's some sort of an, an outage, and so those are the things, you know, whether it be it's more downstream, right, the mm. the project managers or the, the the communication is what I would truly be curious to see, kind of what what happens there. Yeah.
0: And I think this will be interesting, especially based on where our listeners are, because mm. I think of this problem, and I'm I've been helping co-host webinars at Art of Procurement for a long time now, and. We've certainly had guests, especially guests based in California, where they've been dealing with rolling blackouts for a while, in addition to wildfires. We actually lost a guest one time because his house was under threat by a a wildfire. But this problem seems to be spreading this summer nationally. Mm -hmm. And I found it particularly interesting that even Texas, that maintains its own independent electrical grid, is warning and cautioning and asking people, you know, please set your air conditioning at 78, so keep your house a little bit warmer, simply because all of the regional grids in the country are under strain. Mm -hmm. Um, And absolutely, certainly there's a commercial impact through hospital facilities and manufacturing, but teams, this may be the new adjustment. Teams may be either needing to set up people in homes with backup generators or Mm -hmm. some kind of complimentary uh, internet access, or simply adjusting to the fact that people aren't quite as predictably available.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And, you know, in that, in that same line, I, I, again, I'm not an energy expert, but it almost begs the question of like, are we, are we making too big a moves too quickly? Um, Using Texas as your example before, I don't, I don't think anybody forgot, you know, what happened when they had that that snowstorm. Right. I mean, that was that was pretty devastating. Um, it was very devastating, and so I, you know, I bet I bet a few generator companies made made it pretty pretty in that region after <laughs> after the event. But you know, there, you start thinking about different things that you can put in place, and it, it, you know, you bring up the very good point as far as equipping your team members wherever they are to be able to operate as business as usual. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, and this is one of the connections I think for folks in especially procurement and sourcing that we've talked so much about sustainability and reducing carbon footprint. And some of what I've read on this subject suggests that part of why we're going to be running into issues this summer is because they're taking legacy energy sources offline earlier than expected. Mm-hmm. And some of the energy sources that are considered more sustainable aren't quite up to where we would need them to be from a production standpoint. And then on top of that, of course, it always comes back to the weather. There are drought conditions in much of the country. So if your more sustainable energy source was hydroelectric, electric-based, and the water levels have fallen, that has a direct impact not only on your access to energy, but also chances are on the temperature in that region, which spikes demand. So it's sort of like the worst of both coming together: mm-hmm. the the drought bringing down the water level, and then the heat bringing up the demand. It's definitely creating an issue.
1: Oh, without without question, I think if for for specific examples, I was I was floored when I was looking at some of the pictures of uh, Lake Mead. Yes. Um I think I did a Google like a side by side comparison of I think it was in the '80s or '90s versus like currently in 2022. And I've, I was even reading a headline, I think they're, they're, they're finding boats and my goodness, you know, bodies, because oh the water gosh. level is so low that I think even one of the intake valves is like exposed. Uh, it's that low. And so it's a very, it's a very dire situation when you think about not just drinking water, but how much of the West actually uses some of those dams and that hydroelectric power. Um, it's it makes you pause really does.
0: No, it, it definitely does. And and I'll tell you, Chris, so I live in the the Boston area, so Massachusetts is a relatively high tax state as the country is concerned. And I will tell you what makes me pause. That's when I go to the gas pump and I go to put gas in my SUV, because of course I have to be able to drive my my party bus full of kids around town, <laughs> um, to soccer and all that, that's the other thing about energy that we have to think about. Yes, there's facilities that need energy, but when we think about the cost of consumer fuel, when we think about increased costs in diesel for freight mm. and what that's doing to all of the things that have to be bought and sold in our economy, that's the other thing we need to consider from an energy and a cost standpoint, isn't it?
1: Oh, uh, without question, using that same example, uh, there was another headline uh, that jumped out to me. I think it was Michigan. So um, if somebody listens and I'm, you know, I'm incorrect, please correct me. Uh, but <laughs> We take fact but, checks.
0: Absolutely. Yeah but,
1: yeah. but I believe in Michigan, I think there was a, a specific county, the sheriff department actually said for all non-emergency calls, they're like cutting the response time because yes. gas is just so insane that they're like, we can't, <laughs> we can't just be running to everything, but that's, it's not, it's not. It's, it's not where we want to be. And so leaving leaving the why aside, because I would I would argue there's probably some popular and unpopular opinions, I think the reality though is even just based on last Friday's CPI numbers, I think I think it was like 345 or 34.6% that were up year over year in just energy costs, which is tremendous. And I don't believe is factored into inflation numbers. Um, but May alone. Was up, I think, 3.9%. Natural gas up like 8%. So it's energy across the board is just costing more. And while those numbers are staggering, it's not even close to what I believe Europe is experiencing um, on just a, an incredible scale. So, and to your point, you know, getting away from maybe residential more like uh, businesses, I think these things are actually going to contribute to deepening maybe some of these shortages. Um yeah. I think a lot of especially these independent diesel truck drivers, right? A lot of them they're they're parking their trucks because That's right. the amount of money that they'll make versus what it's just going to cost them to operate it, it doesn't make any financial sense. So I don't like the perfect storm. I think I said that last time cuz <laughs> perfect storm is supposed to be rare, but wow, my goodness, every storm is seeming awfully perfect. So
0: It is. And it seems to be something of a circular problem. Mm -hmm. So I did a little bit of checking to sort of see, okay, what are all of the different things driving the current prices of gasoline? And it's so interesting because when you look at the cost of a gallon of gas, oil prices represent about half of that. So, okay, what makes up the other half? And this does vary by state. and, And in some cases also, there are local city taxes placed on gas as well. But if we just stay with sort of a general idea, half of the cost of that gallon of gas is the oil prices. Then you have to add on top of that the cost of refining, the cost of distribution, and then the taxes. But what's interesting to me about that is that refining requires energy. Okay, we've already established that's up. It also requires labor. That's up and the same thing with distribution now it's not always true but in many cases this fuel is being distributed or transported to the point of purchase in vehicles that are consuming fuel and so even the fact that it's already expensive and we have to get it out there and we're transporting it via expensive means Mm -hmm. you just sort of pile that right back on top um and so, hopefully, I mean the the biggest thing that would bring about a change would be if the the oil prices themselves would come back down. Um, but all of these things sort of sort of seem to be compounding in the worst way possible.
1: No, I, I absolutely agree. And the, the 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 nut I'm trying to crack is what what reverses this. What, I mean, you know, obviously, focusing on things that we can control. So not maybe policies or things like that, but but what reverses it? And I. I scratch my head. I, I really don't know. I mean, typically, you know, with, with less of a demand, you think prices would come down. But to your point, there's so many other factors that are yeah. indirectly contributing to the increase. I I don't think it's just demand is going to get us, I want to say back because I don't I don't know how, how low prices will actually go again um, until maybe we look at um, maybe some historical things that we've done in the past to be more as a country, I'll say more energy independent. So it'll be interesting to watch, especially over as we get into these summer months, not just because of the heat, because that's also peak travel season.
0: That's right. Um,
1: And when you start talking about the costs of jet fuel um, and what that means and how that translates to tickets and business expenses, it's it's um it's almost like the dog chasing its tail. What when does it end? You know?
0: No, it definitely is. And it's it's so interesting that you bring up summer travel because there have been a lot of articles recently about how we are truly switching to an experience economy. So everybody stayed home and bought stuff for two years. We've all got new appliances and maybe a new couch and maybe a new TV. And people are now saying, you know what? Yes, airfare is up, but I haven't seen auntie so-and-so or cousin such-and-such in two or three years, or I need to get away from auntie so-and-so and and cousin (laughs) (laughs) such-and-such, so I'm going to buy the plane ticket and I'm going to go to Maui or California anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're reallocating funds. So we're now moving funds away from goods purchases that we would have been making. And so, even our willingness to pay for higher rates of travel and concerts and dining and in all of those things it's taking an impact on retailers and they're all getting stuck with inventory so it's fascinating how interconnected this whole system is
1: oh what what, what a tangled web we weave <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is true. Now, just like we did last time, Chris, we wanna get into these sort of in-depth topics, but we also wanna leave people at the end of the conversation with a little bit of inspiration. And as we joked at the outset, you've already passed your screening, so we <laughs> we have your answer about heroism. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think about sort of an inspirational tie-in based on what we've been talking about today. And so here's what I want to put to you. We've been talking about literal energy sources, right? Gasoline for cars, diesel for freight. We've been talking about whether it's electric or some other kind of energy source getting to buildings and manufacturing Mm -hmm. sites. But for strategic workers, right? intellectual or even philosophical energy mm. is just as important as what you put in the tank of your car that makes it go mm-hmm. and i think we've we've clearly you and i both stay on top of the news all of these news stories we're reading they do have a way of sort of piling on and piling on mm-hmm. and then we go to work and we need to deal with the challenges associated with the piling on even if you love your job it still does become challenging over time. Mm-hmm. So I would like to hear from you, what sources of mental energy do you draw upon to get yourself through trying times?
1: Ooh. So, so for me, I guess when, when the rubbers always met the road, I've always looked back um, at how my parents have handled maybe adversity or uh, difficult situations, I would say, and kind of a, a, whole sli- a closely held thought or quote or saying that we've always said was "tough times don't last, but tough people do." So, so for me, it's less about energy on demand, I, g- I guess, if you will. <laughs> it's it's more about remembering your your true why, um, because and, and not your. You know the cliche why that you know everybody might want to post about, but your true why, because at the end of the day, your your resilience or your your source of strength, if you will, will only be as strong as your your true, closely held reasons for why you're doing what you do. And if you don't really believe in that, um, when when things get tough, things tend to slide. Um, mm. So that's what I would say. It sounds kind of cliche, but. Really, really understanding and believing in your why before times get tough. And I would also say there's nothing, nothing beats planning ahead. You know, look into the future at that worst case scenario um, and play it out in your head. Um, Because when times get tough, when your brain's able to say, well, I've been here before and this is how in my mind we got through it. It's it's a much better feeling at least than what, you know, the sky is falling, what's going on.
0: Well, you know what's interesting about that is as I listen to you share that, believe it or not, what comes to mind is something that somebody told me once about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I genuinely hope that this is true because I've <laughs> lived some portion of my life based on, on this information. But especially if you have it on wheat bread, apparently, for the fiber, mm-hmm. a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is one of the best energy sources you can get quickly and cost-effectively. Because the sugar from the jelly is sort of your short-term energy shock, mm-hmm. right? It like, boom, that's the quick get your body going, that gets you up and running. But it's the peanut butter and the protein in it that takes the longer time to digest and hit, but it actually carries you further. Mm. And so for me, that's kind of what comes to mind when you talk about, you know, yes, there's a, a short-term why. You know, why am I going to join this Zoom call? Why am I going to send this email? And that might get us through the tasks, Mm -hmm. but that longer, deeper, more sustainable why of what truly drives me? What sort of a difference am I trying to make? that sounds like it connects to the advice your parents gave about about tough people lasting when when tough times don't mm-hmm. that's sort of that you know that peanut butter that's really going to hold you in the long run and and hopefully carry us past where we're quite so worried about rolling blackouts or the cost right. per gallon of gas and we can turn more of that energy back to things like innovation and you know disrupting markets and and that sort of thing so Here's to, here's to all the people that are going to hang in there over the long run, right?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Cheers.
0: Excellent. Well, Chris, it was great having you back on the Sourcing Hero podcast. If people have listened in and want to get in touch with you to certainly ask questions about your background, philosophy, perspective on the news, uh, but also to potentially learn a little bit more about Una, what is the best way for them to get in touch?
1: yeah so um linkedin is a good way um you just chris lance i'm out there it's the it's actually the only form of social media i have so it should be pretty narrow there and then um, email is always good too so it's just chris k r i s at una.com alternatively if you if you go to our website una.com una.com um if you go to the about us you can find my page and you should be able to click through to me that way as well
0: Excellent. Well, then thank you, Chris. And I guess I will say farewell until next month.
1: Sounds good. I'll, I'll let, I'm going to go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.